Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KDUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As I mentioned, Friday, September 8th. That means it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, they're not your normal uh, meat market, craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. And today's weekend specials here for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the Spatchcock Chicken at $3.99 a pound, plain boneless skinless chicken breasts at $5.99 a pound, and the pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound. If you are unfamiliar with what it is that we do on Fridays in Friday spread, we're kicking it off here uh, with this is now week two, but the first of the NFL season getting underway. We will run through the gamut of college football games and the spreads. We'll run through the NFL games and the spreads. We'll have a $100 gift certificate available for you if you are the lucky caller for the day. And if you are the lucky caller for the day, you better come prepared with a bet for the weekend that We'll all hop on board, root for. I'll put $5 on it, and hopefully we have Monday money at the end of the year for charity. Uh, So as we do— Pressure's on, by the way, one and zero so far. That is correct. We are one and zero to get things started, so we need to keep things rolling here. Uh, Isn't that the the trend, just to keep rolling downhill, right? Yeah, or you don't want to be going uphill. No, we don't want to go uphill because that means it it didn't go well to begin with, right, at some point. There we go. All right, well, let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll do that with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who do you have Sunday at Washington, the Cardinals plus seven or the Commanders minus seven? And the Commanders minus seven continues to lead the way here at 85% of the vote, Cardinals trailing at 15%. And we don't know officially who the Cardinals' quarterback is yet. Okay. <laughs> officially. Got to keep it quiet. All right. There we go. Uh, we assume it's Joshua Dobbs. So we'll see. It's, you know, I'm sure that uh, America can't wait for the uh, Joshua Dobbs-Sam Howell showdown. We will answer that question, dive into it in depth around 1130 today. Still time for you to cast your vote, KDOS1060.com. On Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, who do you have Sunday at Pittsburgh? The 49ers minus 2.5 or the Steelers plus 2.5. And And overwhelmingly right now, the 49ers lead at 80% of the vote, Steelers trailing at 20%. This game features a matchup of the first quarterback pick last year, Kenny Pickett, 2022 draft. And the last quarterback picked in the 2022 draft, Mr. Irrelevant, as they call the last pick of the draft. He was the last quarterback and the last pick overall. Brock Purdy, local Valley product. And uh, uh, I'm sure that there'll be some kind of graphic comparison of, you know, one quarterback, you know, the guy that was supposed to be, you know, first round pick and the guy that was the last pick and whatever. 
I'll probably you know, probably update that frequently during the game. That's my guess. <laughs> we'll also answer that question around 1130. At 11.15 today, we'll make room for Brian Blewis of Pro Football Network to join us to talk all things NFL props for the weekend and to get us squared away and ready to go. So we'll do that with Brian at 11.15. Let's go back to last night. Uh, the pep was in my step getting ready for the game. The Lions went on to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City 21 to 20. Certainly several takeaways, but I think first and foremost, just in general, sloppiness on both sides of the ball. Some of that is to be expected, which is kind of the nature of camps, preseasons, etc. Agreed. I'll tell you one thing, though. There were very few penalties. Well, there were very few penalties accepted. In this game, there were quite a few penalties that were declined, so maybe not as clean a game as I originally thought when I thought that over a little more. But, you know, just a few quick things here. The the Chiefs, after Kelsey was officially ruled inactive, they dropped to four-point favorites in this game. The consensus total by kickoff had dropped to 53. There were actually some 52.5s out there, which was a big drop from earlier in the week. And here are quickly, once again, five reasons that the Lions won the game last night. Number one, their highly thought of offensive line that just really physically took over in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs' defensive front. I think the Chiefs' defensive front at that point of the game uh, clearly were missing Chris Jones, who was in the crowd in a box. I don't know whose box that was, but he was in a box, one of the suites. Uh, number two, Andy Reid did not have his best game. Uh, three unconventional play calls failed, I'd say miserably, all of them in short yardage situations. Number three, the Chiefs receivers, without Kelsey, dropped five passes. Uh, not surprisingly, Kadarius Tony dropped three of those. Uh, and after the third drop, he was booed by the usually very loyal Arrowhead Stadium crowd, and uh, they were not happy. Uh, number four, the Chiefs. New starting offensive tackle combination of Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor uh, were beat with frequency, especially during the fourth quarter of that game. And number five, Lions defensive lineman Aiden Hutchinson was uh, more than occasionally unblockable. I don't think there was any doubt that he was the best player in the field in this game last night. Sometimes he even beat the Chiefs interior offensive linemen who were considered to be amongst the elite in the NFL. So I wanted to touch on the uh, penalty or penalties or lack thereof penalties uh, because for, for me, it was very clear that um, you had a, a Juwan Taylor just completely overmatched at the right side of, of the line for the Chiefs and that he wasn't even lined up right the whole game because he was trying to, to help himself. In addition to that, he was leaving early. And while, you know, if the, the referees are not going to call that, you're going to keep doing it. That would be silly not to, right, to, to try to give yourself that advantage. But to me, it was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, you have to call that if you are the referees in the first quarter, the second quarter, and the third quarter. And it was crazy that they didn't then end up calling it until it was fourth and 20 with 2.09 to go. Uh, so I felt like you had to call that when it happened in the first quarter. I don't disagree. I'm, you know, Collinsworth was on to this quickly, maybe even definitely in the first half, maybe even in the first quarter uh, he was. And uh, 
And then on the other side, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, the t- Donovan Smith, uh, he actually led the NFL in penalties last year for offensive linemen, and he's one of the, he's now their starting left tackle. Yeah, I when mean, he was, he's, Tam- well, he was with Tampa last year, but he led the league in penalties. Yeah, absolutely. So there was just a whole host of things that happened there with the offensive line late in the game. But the tackle situation is certainly going to be something to monitor here because they clearly went in the direction of bringing those two guys in to help solidify that offensive line. And uh, I think there's more question marks than you have answers, at least after game one for, for the tackle positions. Totally agree. It reminds you of the off- the offensive line that they had when they played Tampa in the Super Bowl and Mahomes had no chance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing that caught my attention here is Dan Campbell there, uh, to me, displaying a ton of guts uh, on the second offensive possession of the game, going for it on fourth and two with a fake punt on his own 17, which then led to a touchdown drive by the Lions. Uh, You know, certainly, I know the score was 0-0 at that point, but still, uh, in your own territory like that, uh, catching him off guard with a surprise fake punt like that, uh, certainly I think shows kind of just the nature of who Dan Campbell is. Agreed in that play, but twice in the second half, he punted in Chiefs territory in the fourth quarter. Where, where are your balls at that point? Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, they were in Chiefs territory and they punted twice. I also think offensively for the Lions, uh, we just saw snippets of Jameer Gibbs. You need to get that guy yeah. the ball more often. Uh, seven carries, 42 yards, two catches for 18 yards. He certainly is a dynamic playmaker. Agreed. Most people, though, think he's more of a receiver than a runner, and I'm guessing the reason that he may not get the ball a ton in running situations is because he's been beat up in his career at Georgia Tech in Alabama a little bit. And I'm wondering if they are concerned that he's going to get beat up in the NFL if he carries a lot between the tackles. Talking about management here, did you find it interesting, surprising, or did you think that it was the defense maybe for the Chiefs, just the nature of the defense maybe wearing down as well in the fourth quarter for Andy Reid to go for it on fourth and 20? uh, You get the penalty, so now it's fourth and 25 with 2.09 left to play. You had the two-minute warning there, and you had all three timeouts. Uh, Surprising or not to go for it in that situation? A little surprising, but considering Reed's history, maybe not that surprising. Maybe it's because of who the coach is. I thought Reed had a terrible game, as I mentioned. I mean, he had three really bizarre, in my opinion, play calls in short yardage situation and uh, short, short, short yardage situations, he tried to say, which I, I was successful the second time. Uh, they were zero for three, or he was zero for three on those play calls. And then uh, the NFL network are saying, well, they needed Eric Bieniemy for that. Well, Bieniemy, to my knowledge, never called a play during a game for the Chiefs as the offensive coordinator. You know, certainly there's been just a lot that people take away from week one, but I think we maybe need to slow the brakes a little bit on on overreacting either direction here. But did anything stand out to you for the Chiefs other than the offensive tackles that we mentioned? Um, Not really. I mean, yeah, well, the fact that I think they clearly missed Chris Jones in the fourth quarter when their defensive front really wore down. And the offensive line of the uh, Lions, you know, physically took over at that point. And certainly, 
you know, they had five drop passes, and some of those passes would have gone to Kelsey had he been playing. Yeah, definitely he would have been the uh, first target. And that, to me, kind of jumped out that Travis Kelsey was the the go-to guy. He seemingly always gets open. And so maybe some of the Chiefs players weren't quite sure who was going to be the guy that's going to step up in those particular moments. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, but you know, just some of those were pitching catches, and uh, Tony was awful. And I don't know why everybody's so shocked that he dropped passes. He's been dropping passes since we saw him at Florida in his first days at Florida. So catching the ball, staying healthy, and being a model citizen have all been things that he's had issues with. We will leave that there. Uh, we'll get into the local uh, college contest before we dive into Friday spread on the other side of the break. As it is for ASU, they are set to host Oklahoma State Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on FS1. Some numbers here for you. OK State minus 3.5, ASU plus 3.5, over under 55.5 numbers on FanDuel Sportsbook. Oklahoma State needed a late touchdown last week in order to beat Central Arkansas, ended up winning 27 and 14 after they definitely struggled on the offensive side of the ball. Oklahoma State was using three quarterbacks, but maybe they found something in coach's son, Gunnar Gundy. So we'll have to see how that quarterback situation plays out. And then for ASU, Jaden Rashada will get his second start as the freshman uh, leads the Sun Devils and just curious to see how he responds in his second start. True. Um, Oklahoma State had several players out of that game for a variety of reasons, which were, to my knowledge, never disclosed. So I have no idea who's playing for Oklahoma State here tomorrow. And the U of A football facing Mississippi State at Mississippi State on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. U of A plus 9.5, Mississippi State minus 9.5, over-under sitting at 60.5. In the opener for the Wildcats, Jaden Delora, 18 of 24, 285 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. For Mississippi State in their opener was Zach Arnett debuting. Uh, Will Rogers back at quarterback, so some stability there. Yeah, Arnett makes this, uh, you know, obviously it's much different than the Mike Leach era. Arnett's a defensive guy. They have drastically changed the offense. There's, you know, they still throw it a lot, but it's not the the conventional, uh, you know, air raid type of a system that Leach ran forever uh, and had that little play sheet that looked like it was a receipt from your, your from Albertsons or something. Uh, so that's changed a lot. Uh, also, uh, Gunnar Maldonado, uh, the U of A's pot. If they have a good defender, he'd be the guy. He's suspended for the first half of this game for a stupid way after the whistle targeting thing last week in the first game. The U of A's uh, lack of discipline, which we've seen for three years now under Jed Fish, was certainly apparent again last week. If they don't clean that up on Saturday, they might get run out of uh, Starkville. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits weekend special spatchcock chicken at $3.99 a pound, plain boneless skinless chicken breast at $5.99 a pound, and the pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound. It is Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We dive into the college slate next right here on the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. Hey, football fans, this is the Rooster, and I'm giving away prizes. So join me this Sunday during the Packers game at Casey Jones Grill, located in Phoenix on 20th Street and Bell Road.
1023 right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point on this Friday, September 8th. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Let's dive into the college football slate of action here, and we'll start with none other than Nebraska and Colorado. Uh, Nebraska, plus two and a half. Colorado minus two and a half over under sitting at 58 and a half numbers come into you from the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, tickets for this game. This is just an aside tickets for this game on the secondary market are three hundred dollars. That's the cheapest yeah. ticket to get in to see this game. Uh, you're more looking like four hundred or more to get in to see this contest. In addition to that, the look ahead line was the Nebraska favored seven and a half to eight points. Then obviously yeah. everything that transpired with Colorado uh, has shifted this plus everyone kind of pounding Colorado has moved it here to minus two and a half you have Nebraska on Thursday last week in that Minnesota contest holding Minnesota to 3.6 yards per play Nebraska just also a note here has lost 14 of their last 16 one score games Meanwhile, Colorado, you had Shador Sanders throwing for 510 yards. And then, of course, Travis Hunter and his ability to be a dynamic two-way player. Okay, I'll take that Nebraska close game thing even further. They're 5-26 and 26 in their last 31 one-score games. Wow. That's almost impossible. Uh, you know, that's the Scott Frost era. And then, obviously, last week that didn't change, at least for one week, because they spit away the game. They should have won that game in Minnesota by – at least I'd say 10 points, uh, but they turned it over three times. They had two uh, illegal procedure penalties on the five-yard line, and then one of those drives they didn't score any points, uh, so it was a mess. Meanwhile, you mentioned uh, the high ticket prices. This game was actually sold out before the win at TCU. Uh, I'm interested to see how Colorado responds to all this. They're you know, after this game, uh, their next three games are home against Colorado State. Colorado State has a bye this week, but they were god-awful last week, by the way, in the opener. Then they play at Oregon, and then they're home against USC. So I'm looking forward to the Oregon and USC games. You mentioned uh, almost all this money on Colorado, and there was a massive move in the last 24 hours. You mentioned the FanDuel number, 2.5. That's pretty much the universal number in, in the world right now. And this game was, uh, you know, yesterday at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I even saw a couple three-and-a-halves. But by the end of the day, it was pretty much two-and-a-half everywhere. Uh, so basically, you're getting absolutely no value here. <laughs> that is 100% accurate, yes. Utah and Baylor. Utah minus seven and a half. Baylor plus seven and a half. Over under sitting at 46 and a half. Baylor coming off of that devastating loss to Texas State. In addition, they will be without their quarterback, Blake Shapin. Uh, Utah, at least last I saw reportedly, had Cam Rising practicing without limitations this week. However, there were, report, uh, there were reports out there yesterday that he's doubtful for this game. So who knows? Um, Utah, I think we learned last week, we really can't leave anything they say about any injuries, including rising last year. I uh, was at the Washington State game, I believe it was. At, it was a Thursday night game, and we were led to believe that he was going to play, and it turned out that he was never going to play in that game. So who knows? 
<laughs> that is true there. Uh, Notre Dame and NC State. Notre Dame minus seven and a half. NC State plus seven and a half. Over under sitting at 50 and a half. Uh, this would be Notre Dame's first real test to start the season. NC State, though, uh, they gave up 142 yards on 19 carries to UConn last yeah. week. Not good because Notre Dame's got three running backs who look like they're really good. They also obviously have Sam Hartman. Now, Hartman has plenty of history against North Carolina State. Three games, he's only won one of them, and he's had a couple of really not good games by his standards against NC State. Uh, There's also a strong possibility for rain in this game. I don't know if that factors in. The last time they actually played, uh, Notre Dame played at NC State, there was literally like a hurricane during the game almost. It was terrible, Uh, and it's supposed to rain again apparently. Uh, Notre Dame's also now won 28 straight games straight up against ACC teams in the regular season. So we'll see how that goes. Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa minus three and a half. Iowa State plus three and a half. Over under sitting at 36 and a half. Iowa now has quarterback Cade McNamara. Uh, He threw for two touchdowns last week. You then also have, if you look back, though, to last year and how Iowa State won this game, 10 to 7. Yeah, uh, this is a good game to take a nap or watch another game. Uh, McNamara clearly, even though he threw a touchdown in his first pass last week, he was questionable to play in that game because of a leg injury, and he clearly was not 100%. Uh, then you have Ole Miss and Tulane. Ole Miss minus seven and a half. Tulane plus seven and a half. Over under sitting at sixty six and a half. Tulane went twelve and two last season with quarterback Michael Pratt. He's returning as the starting quarterback. Ole Miss they went through their quarterback competition over the uh, you know off season. Jackson Dart ended up winning that last week. Eighteen of twenty three, three hundred thirty four yards, four touchdowns, but competition was Mercer uh Tulane you know the questions here are are they building something here with their you know I guess veteran group if you will uh being able to compete against a power five conference however just as an aside Tulane has yet to beat a power conference team at their own stadium yeah and they're a home underdog in this game Uh, yeah Pratt was good last week but they lost a lot of key players from that team last year I feasted on Tulane last year, including uh, the game and the bowl game when they beat USC. Uh, not interested in them, at least uh, now, until further notice because they just lost too many key players from last year. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And Jackson Dart, uh, former USC player, has uh, emerged as the starting quarterback. And I know it was against a subpar opponent, but he had a really impressive performance last week. And even Lane Kiffin was impressed, apparently. Hey, that's the guy you got to impress. That's true. And that seemingly doesn't always happen even when you think it should happen. (laughs) Texas A&M and Miami. Texas A&M minus four and a half. Miami plus four and a half. Over under sitting at 51 and a half numbers on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So is Connor Wiegman the guy for the Aggies? Has the offense improved uh, and changed under offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino? This is also the second season now for Mario Cristobal as the Hurricanes head coach. A lot of money on the Canes in this game uh, around the world. I mean, it's been on pretty much you know, all anything that's moved as far as the line goes. It's been it's strongly in favor of Miami. Uh, this was one of the worst college football games I watched last year. 
uh, was, you mentioned that Iowa-Iowa State game. That was, like, impossible to watch. But this game wasn't much better. They played last year in College Station, and, my, and A&M got one of its few victories of the year. 17-9 was the final score, and it was just awful football. So hopefully it'll be better. I think the Wigman's pretty good, uh, but I need to see more than one game. But he uh, he made some really nice throws last week. I know they were playing, uh, you know, you know, basically, you know, disco tack or whoever the hell they were playing. Uh, they played New Mexico actually, uh, but uh, he made some very. I don't care who you're playing. Some of the throws he made were quite impressive. Both of these teams have had reputations of late of starting the season ranked and finishing the season unranked. Correct. So, and I think both, you know, they got coaches who they paid a whole lot of money for, uh, you know, and I uh, think that uh, I don't think that Cristobal's on the hot seat yet, but he's got to be pretty close. This would be a big game. He would shut some people up if he won this game. Let's put it that way. Oregon and Texas Tech, Oregon minus six and a half, Texas Tech plus six and a half, over under sitting at 68 and a half. Uh, was Texas Tech's loss to Wyoming just a fluke? Texas Tech did, in fact, outgame them by 1.3 yards per play. Uh, so maybe a little bit of luster has been let out of the sales for this particular contest. And then Bo Nix, he's back at quarterback for Oregon once again. Yeah, they only scored 81 last week. So, uh, you know, I got the under 81 this week. How's that? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Texas Tech, they weren't any good on the road last year. In fact, they, had a, they were like 3-4 and four on the road last year. But they're playing at home in Lubbock on a Saturday night. And, you know, what do you do in Lubbock other than drink if it's a morning game, noon game, or a night game? So they're going to be all lubricated by the time the night game starts. Uh, so there's going to be a wild place. Uh, and, yeah, this is Tyler, Tyler Shuck Valley product, a revenge game for him because he started his career at Oregon. Uh, are there any other college games that have caught your attention for this weekend? I know yesterday we talked about the Texas-Alabama contest, Texas plus seven, Alabama minus seven, over-under sitting at 53 and a half. Yeah, okay, well, real before I get to that game, just quickly, you mentioned a game that's catching my attention. A game I'm going to pay attention to, which I never would have guessed like a week ago before last Friday night. Stanford looked like a, you know, a, a functional football team last week. Now, I know it was Hawaii, and they're incredibly overrated uh, by several people uh, who I respect, actually. Uh, and uh, But Stanford completely dominated that game last week at Hawaii, um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, this, this is a second straight road game, unfortunately for Stanford. And I always wonder about that. Everybody talks about you know, the Hawaii trip for the, you know, Hawaii going to the mainland. I also wonder about, you know, it's not, it, I'm not sure if this is still the case. It used to be if you played in Hawaii and then the next week you were obviously here in the mainland somewhere, you didn't do well in that game, no matter whether you're home or away. But they're playing a second straight road game, and I'm still not uh, still not convinced that the USC defense is any good just because they beat Nevada. 20, All right, on to the big twenty-nine and a half is the number there. Yeah, um, that's something to consider. That was maybe an in-game possibility. Let's watch a little bit and act accordingly. And uh, if there's not a you know the athleticism and what I'd be looking for if I were you know thinking about an in-game bet. Is there just a drastic difference of athleticism between the two teams? And then you're probably not going to jump on Stanford. But if it's not terrible and uh, doesn't look like a mismatch you know, athletically, maybe that's worth a shot. As far as Texas goes, 
Um, I think it's a really bigger game than maybe Texas even thought because long-term, if they win this game, the Big 12, just based on one week, so maybe I'm way off base here, but it looked pretty mediocre last week, including that Texas Tech loss. So we'll see what happens. The Texas pass protection was not good last week against Rice. That has to be better against Alabama. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Jalen Milrow, uh, starting quarterback for Alabama, he actually originally was committed to go to Texas. And then when Quinn Lewers, the now starting quarterback at Texas, left Ohio State and ended up in Texas, uh, Milrow then decommitted and ended up with uh, Alabama. So I don't know if that's officially a revenge game or not for him, but I'm sure he's kind of looking uh, looking forward to this. One thing to pay attention to, if you can find out before the game somehow, uh, the top two defensive backs for Alabama are listed, not listed, but considered to be questionable. They were both injured in the opener last week. That could potentially be a pretty big deal. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll continue with Friday Spread, brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits, and dive into the NFL slate of action. But one thing to note here, join the Lombardi Foundation for the 18-hole Lombardi Southwest Open Saturday, September 16th, to raise money for cancer prevention, care, and a cure. If you're not a golfer, you can still join the fun with a fun night at the Kick Cancer's Tailgate Bash. For more information, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open, LombardiFoundation.org org slash Lombardi dash Southwest dash open. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here in KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Ten thirty-nine, right here on KDUS AM ten sixty. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you on this Friday, September eighth. Continuing Friday spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, located two three nine zero North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them vonhansensmeats.net. Let's continue the Friday spread conversation, but transitioning into week one of the NFL. And uh, we'll skip over the 49ers and the Steelers here because we'll answer that uh, in the poll question, which is found at KDOS1060.com. So we'll save that for the 1130 hour. We'll go into the Texans and the Ravens. Uh, The Texans plus 10, the Ravens minus 10, over under sitting at 43 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sports. Sportsbook app. Um, questions here. 10 points is a lot for week one in the NFL. In fact, since 2005, double digit favorites are just 5 and 10 ATS. Do have questions here about Lamar and the new look offense, plus some question marks here on the Ravens' defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here, though, unfortunately, you know, Titus Howard, who is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. For the Texans, he was placed on the pup list. He's going to miss at least the first four games of the season with a hand injury. Uh, that's not going to make uh, you know life easier for a C.J. Stroud. Uh, when he had time to throw in the spring, in the spring, in the preseason, I should say, uh, in the last two games, I'm told he was pretty accurate. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, lots of questions, obviously, for the Ravens here. You know, Humphrey's out. Uh, Mark Andrews has missed practice time this week, so check the injury report today and see what his status is for the Sunday game. And obviously he's a huge part of their offense no matter who the coordinator is. Odell uh, had to leave practice yesterday. 
uh, with uh, an ankle thing, nothing to do with his, you know, twice surgically repaired knee, but an ankle thing. So he had to leave practice. And apparently, I don't know what he did. You know, cryptic tweets. I don't know how to read those anyway. Uh, but apparently he left some kind of weird cryptic tweet and whatever about his status. So all that's going on. And uh, that's 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 a whole lot of uh, stuff going on that I don't think you should have to really consider in handicapping week one game. That is a whole lot of stuff going on there. Uh, transitioning here into the Bengals minus two and a half and the Browns plus two and a half over under sitting at 47 and a half. So obviously Joe Burrow, he is coming off of becoming the highest paid player in the NFL, the highest paid quarterback as well. Uh, questions here. This is kind of interesting just in general about the Browns. They are the first head coach and general manager combination to make it to year four in the last 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, they've had lots of turnover there with good reason because they've hired some, they made some bad hires <laughs> in both those places. So that's a big part of it. Uh, a couple of injury updates here. I think the key players, uh, let's start with, uh, the Bengals, uh, one of their best pass, rusher, pass rushers, Joseph Asai, seems unlikely to play. So once again, check that uh, you know the uh, the official injury report on a Friday afternoon. Check that out today. And on the other side, got Cleveland, uh, their best cover corner, Denzel Ward, is uh, he's returned to practice uh, from the concussion that he suffered. And this morning, Ward was cleared to play in the game on Sunday. Yeah, I think that that's huge news there for um, uh, the Browns. In addition to that, this is kind of surprising. Joe Burrow is actually one in four versus the Browns. Correct. And he's thrown 10 touchdowns, five interceptions in his career against the Browns. Yeah, and uh, you know, the Browns fired the defensive coordinator because this is about the only guy that he could slow down. Uh, so, But uh, Jim Schwartz is in there now, and they're going to be much more aggressive on defense than they were under, under Woods. The Panthers and the Falcons, uh, Panthers plus three and a half, Falcons minus three and a half, over under sitting at 39 and a half. The Panthers have already ruled out wide receiver DJ Chark. Adam Thielen has been listed as limited. That doesn't Correct. sound great to uh, help Bryce Young get his career started. True. And uh, the fact that they can't pass block anybody is probably not a good thing for Bryce Young either. Uh, then you've got the, you know, the Brian Burns is upset with his contract situation. I don't think he's going to get both some money, but he's not happy. Uh, but he's going to assume play, but he's made it pretty clear that he's not happy with what's going on in Carolina. So we'll see, uh, you know, once again, we have a uh, first year starting quarterback or a rookie starting quarterback. And according to the NFL network, no rookie starting quarterback has won a week one game since David Carr in 20, uh, 2002 against Dallas. Holy smokes. Okay. Uh, we'll also get into the Cardinals and the Commanders when we answer today's poll questions around 1130, but I just wanted to pass along that wide receiver Terry McLaurin has no injury designation for Sunday's game, so he's good wow. to play. Miracle cure in Washington. Apparently, the Titans and the Saints. You have the Titans plus three, Saints minus three, over under sitting at 41 and a half. Uh, you certainly have the fact that uh, you're not going to be have Alvin Kamara, but Jamal Williams is more than capable. Plus, now the Saints defense is coming into this situation healthy. Uh, the questions here for the Titans are, can they pass block? 
That would be a big part. Yes, that would. Be, yeah, Traylon Burks is good, by the way. I don't think he's even on the injury report. He's expected to play. He missed a lot of the last season, the off season, the preseason, every season. But now the regular season starts, and I guess he's ready to go. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, this is to me. Uh, you know, I like Tennessee to win the division. I like the Saints to win the division. Um, in the minority, at least on half of that. Uh, around the world but uh, this is the game I'm actually most interested in watching because I just want to see if I'm maybe right about these teams or I guess kind of go oh lord I've made a mistake on one or two of these teams the Rams and the Seahawks getting things started with an NFC battle here Uh, the number currently plus four and a half minus four and a half for the Seahawks coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app 46 and a half no Cooper Cup for the Rams you also have many question marks on their offensive line here Uh, defensively too lost a lot of key players that were on the team last year I think the Seahawks are far and away the superior team here I do too, but I'm a little worried because the Seahawks have got some injury concerns. Once again, check the injury report this afternoon. We know Jamal Adams isn't going to play. Uh, Jordan Brooks, I still haven't heard anything about him. And uh, he's a big-time player for them, a linebacker when he's healthy. Unfortunately, he suffered a knee injury at the end of last season. And uh, you know he's not on the pup list, though. So they must think he's going to play at least soon or early in the season. And then Kenneth Walker showed up on the practice report yesterday with a groin injury. Now, also a big wild card in trying to figure this out is that Pete Carroll has not exactly been forthcoming with injuries over the years. Well, not exactly forthcoming, and like everyone is on the injury report. It's it's a massive list here. Uh, you do have Jordan Brooks popping up on it. They're also calling it calling it resting Veterans Day plus a knee. Right. Yeah, well, the knees, I think, the big thing. and they, But a lot of people thought he'd be on the pup list, and he's not on that. You know, the good news is, you know, they did, they did say earlier this week that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to play in this game. He had thumb surgery like three weeks ago. Not even three weeks ago. That seems like uh, a really like, fast recovery for him. Yeah, and but they they cleared him to play early in the week. So the- hopefully he's out there. The Eagles and the Patriots, Eagles minus four, Patriots plus four over under sitting at 45. There's also another thing to pay attention to as well uh, with that potential hurricane and the effects of the hurricane going up the East Coast and how that could potentially impact the weather for these Sunday contests and some of the East Coast games. Uh, Questions here for me in this particular contest. Um, Can the Patriots move the ball on the Eagles defense? Will Mac Jones get crushed because of some of the injuries that have been sustained illnesses on the uh, Patriots offensive line, how good the Eagles defensive front is. Uh, Also, Bill Belichick's track record against mobile quarterbacks is really not good. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't even consider that. I should have. And uh, now that you brought it up, I'm going to consider that. Thank you. Uh, we'll see how this goes. But Bill's also been talking up Mac Jones after basically tearing him down for two years. So now I'm all confused. That is true. Uh, you know, this is certain. I don't know that we'll learn a whole lot in this particular game just because I think the Eagles defense, um, you know, is as good as they are with some of the question marks on the offensive line to see if there is that incredible growth from Mac uh, because yeah. of Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. I'll add one other thing. Jack Jones, who went to ASU for a year or so, uh, was not was not suspended. He had the off 
field thing, but he was actually added to the injury report yesterday because of some kind of hamstring thing. Yes, and that seems like kind of serious. Yeah, and uh, the Eagles have got three elite receivers if you include Goddard. Exactly. So interesting stuff there uh, for that particular contest. Uh, We'll get into more NFL games on the other side of the break. We have a few more left to touch on. So we'll do that. And for the Friday spread, as it continues by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the weekend specials here, the Spatchcock Chicken at $3.99 a pound, the Plain Boneless Skinless Chicken Breast at $5.99 a pound, and the Pork Butt Roast at $3.99 a pound. And still that $100 gift certificate available for you. Plus, make sure you come with your weekend bet. That's still up for grabs right here on the extra point on KDOS AM 1060. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Friday spread, the Raiders and the Broncos. The Raiders plus four, the Broncos minus four, over under sitting at 44. So you have uh, everything that's been going on drama-wise with Chandler Jones and the Raiders and, of course, the reports that it's very unlikely that Chandler Jones is going to play in Sunday's contest. The questions here are... Is Sean Payton the answer to Russell Wilson's problems? That's a good question. Uh, What happens the first time that Russ goes off script? Is Payton going to lose his mind? I say yes. (laughs) So that's that's my prediction there. I I like Denver in this game. Um, It's more that even though I'm not acknowledging at this point that I think the Raiders might be the second worst team in the league, which I know I mentioned at least once, during the offseason or during the uh, preseason or you know, before now. Uh, but I think they're going to be better. But I think this is just a not good spot. First up, we have the Denver in September, playing at home in altitude. Um, got the Jimmy G has had almost no reps the entire offseason. He's had almost no reps. Training camp, uh, played one preseason game. Uh, he got – remember – Devontae Adams used to get frustrated with Aaron Rodgers when he didn't get the ball. How's that going to work out if he doesn't get the ball for a little while with Jimmy G as the quarterback? Uh, also on the Denver side, I think the one thing to watch most, uh, uh, well, two things. Uh, offensively, as far as injuries go, Javante Williams, remember, is coming back from that injury. He's apparently going to play, but nobody seems to want to reveal how much he might play. And they paid a whole lot of money in the offseason for a backup running back in Samaji P. Ryan, so it wouldn't take too much to get him in there. And also, Jerry Judy, remember, he was, like, going to be out for weeks, right? And that was, like, a, less than a month ago. And apparently, he might play in this game. 
Uh, so then you have the Packers and the Bears. Packers plus one and a half. Bears minus one and a half. Over under sitting at 41 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. The Bears tackle Tevin Jenkins was put on IR. The Bears in the offseason did bring in Tremaine Edmonds at middle linebacker. Questions here, though, about the pass rush. And now the questions for the Packers was they turn their attention here to Jordan Love. And you kind of have to pay attention to some of the injury designations for the wide receivers for Love. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Romeo Dobbs, I guess he was back at practice yesterday. That's a good thing. But uh, Christian Watson was looking at least as of yesterday that he isn't going to play. And he was a huge big play guy for Rodgers towards the end of last season. Had a really one of the best weeks. He was one of the best wide receivers in the league in the second half last year. So I don't know if it's going to be a real fair uh, estimate of what we can, uh, you know, whether we're going to, know anything about Jordan Love after this game especially if his top two wide receivers or two of the top three guys I guess to be more accurate some would say top two are going to be playing or not so we'll see unfortunately the best of this number is long gone you could have gotten it was two and a half three uh, earlier in the summer and it's you know basically down to a pick em at this point in a lot some locations so we'll see but uh, there's there, I'm not going to be on the bears here i just think that they're not any good and edmonds is a really good player but i don't think he can make up for several other defensive deficiencies especially in their front seven and then you also have the dolphins here in the chargers dolphins plus three chargers minus three over under sitting at 50 and a half question did the chargers have a home field advantage also, uh, you know, how much can they expose the new look Dolphins defense that is going to be without Jalen Ramsey? And uh, certainly there for the Chargers, this is the healthiest that they've been on D in a while. Even though Jackson is now questionable for this game, at least, you know, they have the official designation today. But, you know, J.C. Jackson's had some injury issues that are not related to his terrible knee injury from last year. And he's missed some uh, practice time, or I think I don't think he practiced at all yesterday. So that's something to pay attention to. And they need all the healthy cornerbacks you can get to recover the, uh, the many Miami wide receivers. There's still that $100 gift certificate on the line to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll roll that over into hour number two. Hour number two will also feature Brian Blewis, betting director of Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Blewis PFN or PFN Bets. We'll get into that with Brian at 11.15. Still plenty to talk about uh, around the NFL coming up next in hour two of The Extra Point.